Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, the Biden administration has long been at odds with social media giants like Facebook and Twitter, often citing them as the cause of political strife. A recent Cato Institute study showed that there is even more going on behind closed doors and increasingly from the podium. According to the Institute, the act of jawboning has become all too common and have become a way to coerce social media companies uh, to do what they think they should do. Uh, but what does that even mean in the end? Uh, here to help us break all of that down, Will uh, Duffield is the uh, policy analyst at Cato Institute. Uh, had a great uh, piece uh, for Cato uh, about all of this. And uh, let's let's start with some definitions. Not everybody woke up this morning with the word jawboning uh, on their mind. So give us some perspective there, Will. Sure. Thank you for having me. Jawboning refers to government bullying or informal pressure intended to compel private actors to do things the government can't. And so let's... It, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Keep keep going. Well, it, it, it has a little bit of a history. It wasn't something that was originally aimed or just came along in, in the social media age. Um, it starts as a kind of derisive reference to the Book of Judges and Samson's vengeance on the Philistines, in which he claims, with the jawbone of an ass, I have slain a thousand men. And so when presidents attempted to use their speech, informal threats, to control prices, it was likened to the jawbone of an ass being used to control business. Uh, and that's such a uh, it's such a nice visual, and <laughs> I think uh, yeah, uh, very appropriate, especially when it comes to social media, because there there is a lot of jawboning that goes on, on there uh, in so many different ways. Give us some examples uh, as as to what we've been seeing in terms of presidents using that. And again, I don't care if you use uh, current or past. Uh, we're equal opportunity offenders here, but we know presidents uh, love to have that influence, especially when they're at the podium, if they think they can sway a private actor to do what they want. In Indeed. So both President Biden and President Trump before him have jawboned in order to get different things, but but nevertheless using the same presidential bully pulpit in Biden's case, he accused Facebook of killing people by hosting speech questioning the safety of the coronavirus vaccines and um, demanded that, that Facebook remove uh, 11 disinformation super spreaders. Um, Trump, during his presidency, demanded that platforms correct perceptions of anti-conservative bias, or he would regulate or shut them down, in his words. Um, but beyond the, the presidential bully pulpit, this is a, a mode of informal speech regulation that's really become more popular in Congress over the mm-hmm. past four years or so. That's what the, the meat of the study focuses on, and that's often the hardest jawboning to do anything about. Yeah, I think that's so interesting. Um, And so I want to dig into that just a little bit more as we look at that, uh, both in terms of it being just a a dangerous practice if we allow elected officials in particular uh, to assume power that that they actually don't get by law or by vote or by the Constitution. 
so what is it that we need to be watching for and how do we how do we start to turn the tide on this as a kind of accepted practice in the country? So I think that that question of acceptance is very important because this isn't something that as citizens or particularly as voters, we need to accept from our elected officials. Uh, we, we can say that we don't like this sort of bullying behavior, that this isn't an acceptable replacement for, for legislation. And Congress itself can make rules to bind its members just as they're limited in their speaking time or ability to hire relatives. They could also limit themselves in, in demanding the removal of constitutionally protected speech. I think it's important to recognize that this occurs almost in a way because our First Amendment is so strong and and safeguards our speech against legislation uh, so well. In other countries, you've seen uh, censorship laws passed in response to speech on social media. But because American legislators don't have that option, they instead resort to these informal methods, these demands, when they find speech that they don't like or think should be removed. Yeah. One of the things that uh, we've discussed uh, quite a bit is uh, is this whole element of, of Section 230. Uh, and just for our listeners, just give them a, just a quick snapshot of what that section is, uh, those liability protections, and what that means in, in this context. Yeah. So Section 230 is a bedrock intermediary liability protection for websites and Internet services. It both prevents them from being held liable for their user speech and allows them to moderate that user speech as they wish without much fear of, of litigation. Because that's the way in which speech is, or, or social media is regulated or provided for in the United States, then politicians have often attempted to to tweak it in order to favor or disfavor certain sorts of speech. Now, that in of itself isn't jawboning, but like jawboning, it attempts to work through intermediaries rather than regulating speech directly. Oh, that is uh, th- that is a fascinating one. It's one we always come back to in terms of you know what it can and can't do, uh, and of course the between moderating speech, the element of antitrust, uh, what that would do. Uh, so as we as we look at this and and as we try to figure out the path forward again, I think the complexities of of social media have just uh, amped up so much of this. Uh, but what is it that we should be watching for and aware of as citizens as it relates to speech? Well, I think when when we're keeping a lookout for jawboning, then the more explicit the threat and the more specific the demand, the worse a case of jawboning it is and the more it should um, raise our hackles. When particular individual speakers are, are called out or targeted um, and when remedies, especially those unconnected to the speech in question, or that wouldn't affect the speech in question, are proposed, like, say, when uh, or, or in the case in which a senator requested the removal of Steve Bannon from Facebook, 
and then proposed that if he wasn't removed, if the platform didn't behave responsibly, then maybe antitrust should Mm -hmm. be used. Now, antitrust obviously wouldn't cause the platform to have to remove the particular speaker. So in this case, it's it's clearly used as a punishment or or the the stick. Um, And I think that's what we really need to be on the lookout for. Uh, Great insight. Will Duffield, uh, policy analyst at Cato Institute. Uh, Great pieces today. And uh, Will, appreciate your perspective. Of course. Thank you. Uh, great stuff there from Will Duffield uh, and, and so job owning. That's the word of the day today. Uh, and we got to be careful when we allow our politicians to use the bully pulpit to influence what businesses are doing privately. Uh, that is uh, where we often get into trouble. We're going to step aside for one last commercial break. Final segment, Inside Sources, coming up next. Mm-hmm. 